0: here we are the second sunday 2023 i have turned a lot of twos into threes this year trying to get used to that whole transition but as we begin this morning i want you to consider what has led up to this very moment of us being together this morning and maybe you say well what led up to this moment was me dragging the kids out of bed frantically getting dressed Uh, Maybe you even had a spat on the way to church in the car with your spouse. Does that ever happen to you on a Sunday morning? Sunday mornings can be chaotic sometimes. Or maybe you woke up early and had plenty of time to get ready, leisurely strolled to church, and had time to sip a coffee in the cafe and catch up with some friends after maybe a hectic holiday schedule. But leading up to this moment, I want us to go back a lot further than that. I want us to think back over the last several thousand years, what has led up to this moment of us sitting here together as a church body. You know, the church over the last several thousand years has had a series of ups and downs, but but 2,000 years ago, roughly, the church began. You can see it developed and and grow in the book of Acts. It tells that that story. Churches began to spring up through the world and there's been different seasons for the church. Um, It's been times of persecution. There have been times of flourishing. There's been times where the church at large has lost its way. There's been times of reformation and seeking the Lord. But I want to remind you this morning not to take where we are for granted. Because the very fact that we exist as a local church is the result of millions of people serving the Lord, growing the church. And we stand on the shoulders of people that have gone before us. People that didn't even know us planted seeds and and watered seeds. And we are reaping just this incredible legacy from the people that go before us. Oh, that we might do the very same thing. What if our mission, what if our mindset was to leave a legacy for people that we will never, ever meet? So last Sunday, we talked about a vision for our individual lives. We said this, that God's will is God's word. And if you want to know God's will for your life, then you have to read and spend time in and meditate on God's word and and seek the Lord's will. We said last Sunday that we have all these empty boxes in our calendars and we get to decide what we fill those with. Whether we fill our time, our hours, our minutes, our seconds with things that are significant or with things that really just do not matter. Now, this Sunday, last Sunday we talked about vision, this Sunday we're going to talk about vision, but we're going to talk about it in a more corporate sense, a vision for our church. Where have we been? Where are we going? And so I'm calling this morning the State of the Church Address, and I want to do three things. These are my goals this morning. Number one, I want to tell you about the state of the American church. What are the trends? What are the things that we're seeing there? Number two, I want to talk about our church, Um, kind of where were we last year? Where are we this year? What is our vision? What is important for us to think about as we journey forward? And then last, I want to leave you with a challenge through God's word to stay focused and for us to leave a legacy for people that we will never even meet. And so let's dive in this morning. Are you with me, church? All right, I like it when you're with me. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes and you don't have anything to fill out, you just get to follow along this morning because we're going to talk about a lot. We're going to talk at a pretty good clip this morning, too, so you have to listen fast. I want to talk about the state of the American church. Now, as I said earlier, the church goes through seasons. It has highs, it has lows, just like we do. Some days I'm top of the mountain, some days I'm in the valley. But I want to remind you of this. The world would be a drastically different place if it were not for the New Testament church. The church, even though the church catches criticism and flack, and of course we do not do things perfectly, admittedly, I get that because we are sinful human beings, but the church has historically walked the walk. It's fed the poor. It has helped the helpless. It has loved those that the world rejects. I cannot overemphasize the dynamic presence of God's local New Testament church. However, we also need to understand current trends and challenges that the church in the United States is facing. And so... What I did was I appealed to the big guns here. I I did some research. I looked at Barna. I looked at Tom Rainer, Kerry Newoff, Lifeway. And all of this is their information. You can access it online. I've simply sort of curated it for you so we can talk about it this morning. Uh, Some of the trends, some of the things that are going on in the church in the United States. So, number one, if you're following along, I want you to see this. That the demographic of the church is changing. Baby boomers are declining. Now, the baby boomers are those born between 46 and 64, so the older boomers will turn 77 this year. Um, The younger will hit 59, and here's what we'll say. This generation has been a fixture, an amazing presence in the Church of America. They have been leaders and givers and attenders. Baby boomers, however, it's noted, have been the least likely... A demographic to return to church after COVID, with 22% saying that they have stopped attending a church since COVID. Now, with baby boomers aging out or their decline in attendance, that's affecting the church in three ways. It's affecting overall attendance across the board in the United States. It's affecting volunteering. The number of volunteers in churches has gone down. That's, again, across the United States. We'll talk about that again in a minute. And it's affected the church financially across the board. However, when we talk about the church demographic changing, there are some positives as well. Um, An opportunity for the church, if you will, comes with Gen Z. Now, Gen Z are those born between roughly 97 and 2012. So by that demarcation, I have two of these at home. Uh, One born in 10 and one born at the very edge of 12. Gen Z is the most unchurched generation in the history of the United States. However... They are also spiritually open to hearing about spiritual topics. Many in Gen Z are open to spirituality. They believe there's a God, but they haven't figured out how to fit him into the way they view the world or to fit him into their system. Now, many Gen Z adults, those are on the other end of it, the earlier end of that demarcation, are frequently deconstructing their childhood faith. And what that means is what they were taught in Sunday school growing up. They have poked holes in in it. They have critiqued it. They have picked it to pieces. They have raised it to the ground, have leveled it. And many don't try to reconstruct that as well. They just walk away from the faith. Now, the church needs to think, and when I say the church, I mean the church in the United States, needs to think heavily about how to engage this younger generation. And I think we do that largely in three ways. Number one is this we listen, we listen to their grievances, we listen to their questions. Church, let me let let you know this. You cannot imagine the amount of people that have questions about spirituality and life and God. How do we engage this younger generation? Well, I think it starts with apologetics, apologetics, apologetics. We've talked about that before. We've had a conference. We'll have another conference at some point as well on rationally defending your faith. Because this is a generation with so many pressing questions. How else do we engage this younger generation? Well, it has to involve willingness to change how we do things and how we communicate the gospel. Now, of course, the gospel message doesn't change. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. But as a Christian, we have to be open as a church. As the United States Church, the church abroad, has to be contemplating how do we change the way that we present this message so it actually gets a hearing. What are some trends going on in the United States Church, the American church? Uh, If you're taking notes, number two... Uh, the line between the digital and the in-person is continuing to blur. Church, have you noticed this, that over the last 10, 20 years, the world looks a lot different? It does, doesn't it? Um, over the last 50 years, incredibly so. What will it be like in another 10 to 20 years? I, I don't know. We may have flying cars by then. We'll, we'll find out. It's, it's, it's certainly different. And whether, you, whether it's a good different to you or a bad different to you, it's different. What we see is this younger generation slips very easily between the digital and the in-person. So what research has showed is that the need for churches to have a strong digital presence seems to be crucial as we move forward. And of all people, Taylor Swift has been heralded as an example of this. Uh, In October of last year, she released a new album called Midnights. And within one week, it broke all streaming records online. It sold a half a million vinyl records. Now, that is more than the Beatles sold at any release when vinyl was the only medium for them to to sell music. Uh, And then she sold two million tickets to her tour within one day, and it broke Ticketmaster. Now, all of this because she had a tremendous online presence and a strong digital presence, and that pushed people into arenas to hear her play her music. Now, what research is showing is that churches who make use of an online presence and share the gospel in digital mediums will be fruitful in that area. And so when COVID happened, everything went on lockdown. Every church was trying to figure out how do we get our services online so all of our people can, at, at home can be encouraged and hear the gospel and be strengthened and challenged. And so something like 90% of churches started streaming their services. After COVID, that number plummeted. And what research is showing is those that continue to engage online will see discipleship take place, see people come to know the Lord, see people find answers to questions, and see people come through the doors. And maybe what you think is what I would tend to think, that, you know, we stream our services here at church. We think, well, maybe that's for the five or six people who are sick that can't get to church this Sunday so they can be a part when in reality, what research is showing is that is the door for many, many people, even in Orange Texas, to be able to say, "Hey, you know what, this looks like a good church. They teach truth. I want to be a part of that." And it opens a door for them to come in. And so it's an area for the church at large, the American church, to investigate and take note of. What else are we seeing in the American church? I want you to notice this, the volunteer crisis. Um, Carrie Newolph says that the volunteer crisis will move from acute to chronic. There has been a decline in volunteers in churches all across the United States over the last several years. Some think it's linked to COVID. Um, Some of this decline is probably due to the baby boomer generation um, sort of exiting. Uh, Millennials, and here's the the truth of the matter, I fall into this category. Millennials and Gen Zers are overcommitted, have more weekend activities are more sporadic attenders um, because they're we're over scheduled so it makes it hard to commit to volunteer and as a result what we're going to see nationwide is less and less things offered in church because you don't have the volunteers to actually make those things come to pass and so you'll see a narrowing of focus uh, in, in what churches are able to offer. Uh, what else are we seeing in the church? Well, Here's hopefully some good news. The, the trend is the researchers are, are thinking that pastoral burnout will, will stabilize. Now, I always fear, feel weird about talking about pastors because I is one. You know what I mean? And so it feels weird. Um, but I'm going to give you some stats just over, over pastors. Uh, in 2017, it was asked, a survey went out to pastors, have you heavily considered getting out of the ministry altogether? In 2017, 11% responded yes. Within the past year, I have heavily considered getting out of ministry. Now, that same question was asked of pastors in March of 2022, and that number was that 42% of pastors were ready to just quit and walk away. Now, it was, they were resurveyed in September, and that number was down to 39%, so it dropped 3%. Uh, now, let's just be generous, and let's say that it's dropped another 6% in the last four months. You still have one out of three pastors who's ready to walk away from ministry and be done. Now, I tell you that for, for, for these reasons. If you know a pastor, pray for that pastor. Encourage that pastor. Love on that pastor. You know, I, I think I have the best staff here at First Baptist Church of any other church in the world. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just good at acknowledging facts. Um, we have a great staff but would you pray for your staff church but it's expected that pastoral burnout will hopefully stabilize some because church attendance is rebounding you know the past couple of years with the pandemic was pretty turbulent in the lives of churches it was a lot of stress on many many pastors but it's expected that hopefully this year pastors can kind of step back and catch their bearings and figure out where they're headed now another piece of bad news that i that grieves me to share is to talk about closing churches you we're still seeing right now more churches closing than new ones opening. And that could be for a multitude of reasons. Um, church membership and attendance is down overall nationally. Um, the pandemic hit churches pretty difficultly. Uh, inflation is part of this as well, lack of volunteers. And some of it is just simply a lack of churches to be willing to change their methods. We're going we're gonna to ride this ship down because we refuse to make the changes necessary. Now, I want you to know this as well. Churches that are faithful to do what God has called them to do, churches that are faithful to be theologically robust and to preach the gospel, we need to be praying for those churches. You know, even in Orange, Texas, in, our, in Orange County, in our area, I've, we've seen some churches close their doors. That's a hard thing to see. Now, the churches that aren't doing the Lord's work, that aren't theologically sound, but all the ones that are Bible-based and scripturally accurate, those are our Co laborers, they're not our competition. So we pray for one another. When the church down the road's thriving, that's a blessing to us. Now, one more issue we need to talk about in the state of the American church, and that's some theological trends. And I don't have time to get into all this research, but if you'd like to look at it for yourself, you can go to stateoftheology.com for the full report, a lot of reading. Let me say, when, when it comes to the evangelical church, there are some problems theologically. Um, I'm going to share some of the ones that are more significant. Um, it was just a survey that went out, and evangelical Christians had to meet certain criteria to be considered evangelical Christians. What we would categorize ourselves as, here's the research. 56% of evangelical Christians agreed with the statement, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Forty-three percent of evangelical Christians agreed with the statement Jesus was a great teacher, but he wasn't God. Twenty-six percent evangelical. Christians, oh, there goes my mic. Let's see if it if it doesn't hang on, we'll swap. Twenty-six uh, percent of evangelical Christians agreed with the statement: the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it's not literally true. Thirty-eight percent agreed with the statement: religious belief is a matter of personal opinion; it's not about objective truth. Now, I hear this frequently from different people that say, "I don't need theology. I just need to be just need to learn the practical things. I need to learn how to love my wife, how to raise my kids, how to be a good worker, how to be just a, a good guy." Let me tell you, this is this is the way that I see it. All of the practical teaching in scripture is based on the theology. The theology drives the practical. Why am I doing this? Because God said so, and here's why. Now, you know, if, you, if we just want to learn to be moral people, you can honestly learn that from Dr. Seuss, can you not? You can. Um, you can learn how to be moral in a lot of places. But why is that, and what are God's reasons? That's, and why does God care in the first place? That's all grounded in his nature and in theology. And so when the church loses its moorings theologically, inevitably the result is going to be the practical way we live our lives is going to look different. Now, here's some good trends, some interesting trends when it comes to ethics. 94% of evangelicals agreed with the statement, sex outside of marriage is a sin. So, traditional view there. 37% agree that gender identity is a matter of choice. 28% agree that the Bible's uh, condemnation of homosexual behavior no longer applies. So, two issues there. 91% agree that abortion is a sin. That's a better number than I've seen in the past. Now, here's what you can expect in the landscape, the Christian landscape across the United States, is that we are going to have increasing confusion over sexual ethics within the American church. It is, it, is, it is here, and we as a church and the church at large must draw lines here about what does Scripture say about sexual ethics, but also communicate the reason for those lines. Why do we care about the way somebody views sexuality? It should be because you love that person and because you believe that what Scripture says is best for all of us. And if our motivation for drawing lines is any other reason, well, then we're off the mark. The reason we tell people the truth is because we love them enough to tell them the truth. Now, that's the state of the American church. And let's talk about this church that I love, First Baptist Church, Orange So let's talk about the state of our church. Now let me begin by saying this. I think of our church the same way that I think of my marriage. It's not perfect, but it's pretty stinking great. Can you agree with me there? I think we have a fantastic church, and I'm blessed to get to be a part of our church. So let me say this as we get into the state of our church. Let me say thank you, church. Let me say thank you for a great year last year. Um, to those who give thank you to those who serve thank you to those who pray for our church and gather together and lift up our church in prayer thank you to those who pray for one another thank you to those who tithe thank you to those who um, teach or lead or serve or volunteer or greet we have a million places to serve thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for all that you do but let's talk about the state of our church I want to begin this morning talking about growth this is something I think to be excited about In 2022, we had 70 new additions to our church, so 70 new family members. I think that's something to be excited about, church. Amen? It is. Uh, 23 people came on statement of faith, 33 joined by letter, and 17 through baptism. Now, I want to see us do baptisms. I would love to see us do baptisms every week. We got to do one in first service this morning. It was awesome. Uh, Because baptisms mean this, that Christians... People are coming to know the Lord and that they are taking steps of obedience. Baptism is a huge thing. And so I would love it if we saw so many baptisms this year. But when it comes to growth, this is what I believe, this is what your staff believes, this is what I think many of us believe, that we are poised in a great place for growth as a church. A lot is happening in Orange to grow and expand. And so we want to be strategic and minister to new people as they come into our community. Uh, This year, we convened our strategic planning team. This was a meeting of masterminds and did a lot of thinking and a lot of planning, looked at challenges, assets, um, you know, thought about vision going forward, and we set some numerical goals that we would like to hit as a church, and I'm just going to share those with you. In 2023, we would love to see the average worship attendance be around 550 adults and kids. Um, By 2024, we we would like to see that as 650. By 2028, we would like to be in a place where weekly worship attendance is 800. There it is, 850. And you say, well, what are you going to do when that 851 comes? We're going to say, hey, you can't come in. You've got to find a new church. Now, of course, we're not going to do that. All are welcome. We'll find you a seat somewhere, even if I have to sit on the floor. But, you know, numbers are not everything, and I get that. But numbers do tell us some things. If you only have five people coming to church, maybe it's time to make some changes. Maybe it's time to rethink some strategy. I would much rather have 200 faithfully discipled people that love the people around them that are knocking it out of the park for the Lord than 1,000 people. That should be obvious, but a numerical goal gives us something to aim for. Uh, We don't want numbers for the sake of numbers. We want engaged, serving, worshiping disciples, making more of those. Engaged, serving, worshiping disciples. So I want to challenge you this morning. How is your worship attendance? Are you faithful? Are you faithful to come to the house of God? Uh, scripture says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Now, one time Devin and I, many years ago, we had some friends that started coming to our church. We were excited to see them. And uh, we, were having, we had lunch with them and we we're like, you know, we're so glad to have you, have you at church. And uh, they said, well, don't get excited. You know, we're going to join. But we're only, we're maybe 50 percenters. I said, what do you mean? I said, I, you, you have to work on some Sundays? He said, no, we don't have to work. Just some Sundays we wake up and we decide, you know what? I don't want to go to church today. And I said, oh, okay. You know, some Sundays I wake up like that too, where it'd be so much easier to stay in bed because sleeping late is nice. And Devin tells me, you have to go to church, Josh, because you're the pastor, you know? <laughs> but, but let's be honest. Even though we don't, would not like to go, we need to go, don't we? I need it. I need it worse than any of you. I promise. And so, maybe this year God's calling you to faithfulness, to be a if you're fifty percent or seventy five percent, if you're seventy five percent or eighty five percent, or I don't know. Here's the good news: if you were here last Sunday and this Sunday, hundred percent so far, two thousand twenty-three. Let's keep up that trend. Now, let's talk about giving for just a few minutes as well, because that kind of ties in with with, with growth also. Um, let me say this thank you so much for for your giving church uh, to this local assembly and to missions as well so where are we at in our giving right now we're about $39,000 from meeting our proposed budget uh, for 22-23 our budget resets in April now that doesn't mean that we're 39,000 overspending. it just means we're that short of fulfilling our budget uh, And I'll be honest with you, something that sort of grieved me was we didn't quite make budget last year, and we had to raise our budget this year. And maybe you say, well, well, what's up with that? Well, the truth is, when inflation's at 9%, um, we had to raise our budget uh, just to kind of keep moving forward and to keep what we had going, going. Uh, You know, I don't like talking about money. You may have noticed that. I never enjoy talking about this topic, but we're a family, and families talk about these things. Uh, So I encourage you... uh, church to to give as we close out this fiscal year Um, I would love to close out our budget by meeting budget but you know I want to let you know this too when we talk about giving of course I'm concerned about our church budget and all that I want to see ministries go forward and missionaries get their money so they can keep doing their work all this stuff's on my mind but the bigger concern I have about giving is for you personally and you say well that's a that's a, a weird statement well it's really not because think about this God can meet the needs of our church however God chooses to meet the needs. And I've seen him meet our needs here in some crazy ways. Uh, Where where money shows up and you're like, well, I didn't see that coming, but thank you, Lord. In my personal life, I've seen the same thing. where We've had medical stuff and God has, has shown us a way or has given us the means to be able to do what we needed to do. God can always meet those needs. But when it comes to giving, if me as a Christian... If I am not giving and giving joyfully, not out of compulsion, I'm robbing myself of something. And because I love you and care about you, I want to see you have the same blessings and joys that I have as a Christian when I give to the Lord. And let me say this, if you're in debt up to your eyeballs, it makes it really hard to give. And in that, there needs to be some spiritual reconfiguration as God works in our lives through his words on how to handle our money financially. And if you need some resources there, I can show you those. I have some amazing resources that have helped me and my wife as we've worked to manage our finances in a godly way. And maybe you say, well, if I give, what does my money go to? I want to let you know that as well. It goes to paying for this facility that we're in. We don't own this facility. Um, It goes to keeping the lights on and the AC running. I'm a big fan of the AC. Does anybody want to trade electric bills with the church? We'll take yours. You take ours. I didn't think so. It's, It's astronomical. Why? Because there's always something going on here. And so it pays staff, literature, ministries, missionaries, it helps all those, um, all those areas. And some of it is benevolence of giving to people that have needs. And so that is where we're at in our giving. And maybe this year, God is calling you to start small, to trust Him to say, hey, you know what? This is five bucks a week, God, or five bucks a month, whatever it is. I'm going to trust you with this and see what happens. I can promise you, you won't miss it because God owns the cattle on a thousand years, a thousand hills. Okay, where are we at? State of the church, missions. Let's talk about that. One thing I want us to increasingly focus on is missions both here and abroad. And this year we did a lot in that area. We did um, love our community where we went out and served. Our church serves the community through our food pantry. We've supported missions financially in Romania. We helped with some Ukraine relief in Mexico, various parts of the U.S. and abroad. Things like Operation Christmas Child we have gave to. Things like... um, um, foster children, uh, raising some, some money to help them with gifts. Uh, you, you know, church, I truly believe this. Maybe you think I'm crazy, which you're probably right. But I truly believe we at First Baptist Church Orange could change the face of the world. And you say, Josh, you're just dreaming. Well, well, 12 men did it in the new test. 12 men changed the entire face of the planet, and we have hundreds. We could cha- literally change the world. There will be plenty of missional opportunities this year. What about connections? Let's talk about connecting. Last year, one of our big goals was to see more connection groups form and more people enter into connection groups because it's easy to come on a Sunday morning and get lost in a crowd. We want you to be in a place where you know people and where you can be known. And so we started more connection groups. And to those of you who stepped out in faith to teach those connection groups, praise the Lord. Thank you for your service there. But This week, we published our spring connection group guide, and you can get these at the welcome desk. In these are all the connection groups that are going on, and the topics, when they meet, where they meet, that you can get plugged into uh, for this spring up to summer. And so we would encourage you to find a group and get involved. Uh, shameless plug, me and my wife are teaching one on Wednesday nights on emotions, and we're excited about being able to do that. And if you're a guy and you're saying, I'm not going to some stupid class on emotions, I promise... I promise you'll find something relevant in that class for you too cuz I'm a guy and I have emotions also another thing that was exciting last year was celebrate recovery launch which is a connection group it's a place to a group place to work on your hurts habits and hang ups the leadership in this ministry is incredible I'm excited that in February we're starting a Grief Share group, which is going to be a place where ladies can come and deal with grief and loss, led by two of the sweetest people. I know, I won't tell you who they are, but they are amazing. It's going to be awesome. Also, you'll notice this, that our, our library is no longer there. We needed some space, so we converted that to a meeting room. We call it the bridge because it's a place where connections take place. And so on a Sunday, if you need to pray, talk, or maybe you just want to say, this is, this is the amazing thing God is doing in my life, we'd love to meet you in the bridge, pray with you, talk with you for just a few moments. Now, quickly, we are running out of time, and we got a whole other point left, but let me talk about families real quick. should go without saying that for the church to grow and be sustained, we have to invest in families. And so children and youth are two places that I love to see our resources go. Now, if you want... To experience something on a Wednesday night, go up to the peak, and see what's happening in youth on Wednesdays. Um, it is chaos, but it's organized chaos. And there, you'll find about 90 people up there on a Wednesday nights, uh, adults and teenagers, um, worshiping and learning. Children's ministry, let me give you a report from our children's minister, Cassie Bush. She says, on average in total church uh, services on Sunday, since August, there's been about 79 sustained average on both sides. Uh, In Awanas, we've seen 179 kids in our Awana program with an average attendance of 118. Uh, The children's ministry is starting a brand new curriculum called Bible Studies for Life. And they're also starting some question-answer sound-off catechisms. Let me give you an example. This is what they're learning this morning. So the question will be asked, who is God? And the kids will learn and respond with God is our creator and the king of everything. Next week they'll work on that one and then they'll advance to the next one. Was God created? No, God has always existed and will always exist. The next week, the question will be asked: How many gods are there? There's one true God who alone deserves to be worshipped. Now, why are we doing? Uh, why are we teaching our kids basic theological truths? Because we don't want them to grow up to be evangelical, quote unquote, Christians who agree with the statement that Jesus was a good man but he wasn't God. We want them to have a firm theological grounding. And so we want to teach them theology and how to apply that theology as well. Now, church, 2022 was a fantastic year. And I believe this, 2023 will be even better if we seek the Lord, grow in the Lord, worship the Lord, serve the Lord, and continue to make disciples. But in the last four minutes I have, I want to challenge you on point three. And we're going to take this quickly. I can just give you a bite here. I want to challenge you to leave a legacy... For those you may never even meet. To leave a legacy for people that you will never even meet. Because the reason we're here this morning is because roughly 140 years ago, some people that I have no idea who they were started a church and that church grew and people poured into this church. And here we stand this morning. And so I want to share with you three thoughts. How do we leave a legacy for people we may never even meet? Real quick. Number one. We've got to grow as Christians, all of us, continually. This is God's call for us. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 2. We can't leave a legacy for the people behind us if we're not growing spiritually. Here's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready Now, let me tell you a quick story. It's been a couple of years ago. Devin and I went to some friend's house. They said, hey, steak and potatoes Friday night. You in? I said, I like both of those. We're in. So we showed up. We're all eating our steak steak and potatoes. And then their 13-year-old son comes and plops down at the table, grabs this baby bottle full of milk, and that's what he's having for dinner. It was weird. Now, that's completely fabricated. But would that not be weird, church? It would be really weird. You didn't know whether to laugh or not. It's a strange thing. Now, this is exactly what Paul is saying. If you've been a Christian for one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and your life today doesn't look different than it did years ago, you're still a baby in Christ. And so as Christians, if we're going to leave a legacy for the people that follow us, we have to be growing and part of that growth is we dig in scripturally we dig in theologically we dig in apologetically we know what we believe and why we believe it we dig in missionally evangelically we've spread god's word we are called to grow not to stay as babies how else do we leave a legacy first corinthians 3 3 through 5 we've got to stay united as a church here's what paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, for you are all still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, you're not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, oh, I follow Apollos, that was the pastor there, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each task. What was happening in the Corinthian church was it was filled with factions, jealousy, backbiting, and strife. Because if you're a baby, what do you do? You say, life's all about me. I want things my way. I want to have my preferences. But as you mature, you realize, you know what? I have to figure out a way to work with people. I have to figure out that life's not all about me. Now, I'm thankful our church gets along. But, but there will always be challenges. We have to stay united. And to realize that we're a group, my preferences kind of have to blend in with the group. If we're gonna leave a legacy, which have stay united. And last, I wanna show you one more thought. If we're gonna leave a legacy for people we may never meet, we have to plant water and leave the results to God. Plant water and God gets the results. You know what, I can't make a plant grow. I can't will it to grow, but I can plant the seed. I can water the plant. I can put it out in the sunshine and then let things take their place. It's the same way as we do the work that God has called us to do. All we are responsible for is planting and watering and planting and watering. Here's what Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 11. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor." For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else built upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so church, here is our, here is our mission. We are to plant seeds. We are to water those seeds and we're to trust the results with God. We are to tell people about Jesus and leave the results to God. We are to make disciples and leave the results to God. And it could be possible. Imagine this scene. Thousands of years down the road, you are worshiping around the throne of Christ. And somebody comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says, you know what, you didn't know me. As a matter of fact, we were about four or five generations removed But because of you and some of the things that you did and the other people that you worshipped with, God did an incredible, incredible work in my life. Church, we are here because of the people before us. But we have to be so intentional about thinking about the people that come after us. So there's a lot of challenges going on in the American church right now. There's also a lot of opportunity out there as well. So what is God calling you to do as an individual part of a corporate body? Maybe he's calling you to serve. Maybe he's calling you to give. Maybe he's calling you to faithfulness. Maybe he's calling you to take the next step, whether that be baptism or church membership. I don't know. But all we're responsible for is stepping out in obedience, planting seeds, watering seeds, and leaving the results to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you once again thankful that we can be here together as a church that we get the privilege and the luxury of doing the work that you've called us to do. And Lord, we're not magicians. All we can do is be faithful to do what you've called us unto, Lord. So God, I pray that we would be obedient, that we would follow you, that we would live for you, Lord. And I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the church at large, that there are plenty of other people, that we're not alone, that there are plenty of other churches and Christians doing what you've called them to do, Lord, Would you help us to make the most of our time, to make the most of our opportunity, and that we would leave a legacy, not just for our kids and our grandkids, but for people that we will never even meet who could reap the benefits of how we choose to live and whether we choose to walk in obedience or not. Lord, we want you to know we love you and we praise you. All these things we pray in your name.